0: Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to the Sunday, March 29th episode of Poets and Muses, where we chat with poets about their inspirations. I'm your host, Imogen a you can follow us at poetsandmuses.com and on social media via Twitter or Instagram as well as SoundCloud under Poets and Muses. You can also subscribe to our newsletter either at poetsandmuses.com or at the upper right-hand side of the Poets and Muses SoundCloud page. With us today is Vida de Jesus Lopez with whom I will be discussing her poem Animal Brain and my poem Wanton. Before we do that, however, I want to let you know that as with last week, Connect and Heal will be hosting their weekly poetry workshop online via Zoom, which you can find at zoom.us forward slash the letter J forward slash five two zero two zero eight A four five one. Again, that's zoom.us forward slash J forward slash five two zero two zero eight. A four five one. That's Tuesday, March 31st from 6 to 8 p.m. Arizona time. And our past poet guest Al Fernier will be leading the workshop that night. If you're hosting virtual poetry events anywhere around the world and want me to include it in these announcements, please fill out the form at poetsandmuses.com forward slash collaborate. Again, that's poetsandmuses.com forward slash collaborate. Please include the location, date, and time, as well as a web link. In other news, Denai Barnes, who was a poet guest last March, has co-launched a GoFundMe to help Phoenix area artists whose livelihoods have been completely appended by this coronavirus pandemic. You can find that at gofundme.com forward slash F as in Frank forward slash phoenix-artist-relief-fund. Dash 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 Again, that's gofundme.com forward slash F as in Frank forward slash phoenix-artist-relief-fund. Dash 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 Additionally, Palabra's bookstore is now the Central Phoenix drop-off point items to help those in need to cope with the coronavirus pandemic. Their co-founder, Chawa, or Rosaura Magana, was a poet guest during last April. This is being organized by the Mutual Aid Solidarity Network. You can find out more about the organization as well as the items needed or volunteer at mutualaidphx.com. Again, that's mutualaidphx.com phx.com. And now let us turn to our poet guest of the week. Vida de Jesus Lopez. Hi, Vida. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> thank you for coming on to Poets and Music. Thank you for
1: having me. I appreciate it. It's pretty special. Oh, thank you.
0: So appreciate that. So you brought with you the poem Animal Brain, Before we dig into that, I'd love for you to tell us a little bit about yourself.
1: Oh, man. Um, Let's see. I'm a self-proclaimed desert rat uh, slash lover boy. I was born and bred here in the desert, kind of moved around a bit, and then came back. Um, Mm. Yeah, lover boy, because I'm completely emotional and soft all the time. (laughs) There is a lot more feelings than logic most of the time. Um, But I'm learning to balance that out a bit. Um, Yeah, besides like writing... I don't even know if I self-identify as a poet uh, more so than like just someone who has feelings and expresses them, mm-hmm. and that's kind of where it the univers- them universality them. of it all comes from.
0: Yeah, but you express them beautifully. I've been. You I know, appreciate. Yeah, that. I've been looking at your Instagram. And I was like, oh, when is she going to read her poem? I, because. When I first met you, it wasn't clear what genre of writing you do. Yeah. But when I was looking at your Instagram posts, all of them are so poetic. I don't want to reduce you to fortune's cookie status. It's just that, it's you know, you write a lot of one-liners.
1: Yeah. Um, but, and they're
0: so much better than fortune cookies. <laughs> I mean, I'm just like, I have no other point of comparison.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. I, I don't take that as a, a bad comparison. I think one of the things that I've been lucky enough to be able to do is kind of simplify things as much as possible. Mm-hmm. And hopefully, because it's so simplified, a lot of people can resonate with it. Yeah. I, <laughs> I don't I feel know like, if that works.
0: <laughs> no, I feel like there's a lot of distillation in, in the short lines that you write and you pose, And mm-hmm. people can look at that and be like, ooh,
1: philosopher. It's very,
0: <laughs> very philosophical. It provokes a lot of thoughts.
1: So. Uh, yeah, that's uh, also uh, like a huge compliment. Because, you know, for me, it's me just very much in the moment, right? And then I'm like, oh, okay, that sounds cool. And then I keep it. Mm -hmm. I'm not somebody who goes back to edit uh, things a lot. Mm -hmm. And when I do, it's because I'm like trusting other people to help me with that process. Mm -hmm. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. And I think it's great to trust somebody to look at what you write because it's always personal and just have that trust relationship with someone, a good editor.
1: You know, I don't know if I've found like exceptional editors. It's just people that I think who are also highly emotional. Mm -hmm. And, And so I'm like, but you have a better vocabulary than I do. Or you you know more words than I do. And I'm like, so does that sound all right?
0: Yeah, well, it sounded good to me so far. So I, I
1: really love <laughs> it. Yeah, appreciate it. Because I'm like, mm. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens.
0: So you do these small, like, short one-liners and then you write poetry do you write larger more prosy things what do you write in? like what genres do you write oh man
1: so I write literally everything so I'm a person that will always have a notebook either in my pocket in my backpack or whatever I'm carrying with me Mm -hmm. I have a notebook and I have a pen and they fill up really quickly Mm -hmm. so it started off with like just basic doodling Mm -hmm. and like random thoughts that were coming out very stream of consciousness Mm -hmm. from a very young age and even now as an adult i I'm in love with like the structuring of children's books mm-hmm. and the value that that can have for people who are not traditionally children, so adults. Yeah. Yeah. I play around with that because it lets me do like the illustration practice as well as like how do you succinct a story where it's uh palatable for anyone with like any understanding of or level of, of understanding of language mm-hmm. and then i've been practicing with like short stories mm. dabbling in that but the stream of consciousness things will always be like my default home
0: Mm-mm-mm. yeah i feel like I, I do the same a line would inspire me and mm-hmm. then i would just write out whatever my brain is on at the moment <laughs> and for some reasons to other people it seems coherent and I was
1: just like, okay. <laughs> I feel like, yeah, the things that you have written have been very well put together, so it doesn't seem like that's your process at all.
0: <laughs> you know, it's weird. I don't I don't know what <laughs> maybe it's because I'm obsessive, so I'm just obsessing over that particular thought. But know. being <laughs>
1: obsessive is sometimes really handy. Uh, <laughs> like I'm always like, I can recognize like slightly obsessive things in other people, but I'm like, hmm, how do I make that work in my favor?
0: <laughs> Oh, but everybody has their own process, and I think yeah. yours really work as well, and I feel like it's very coherent. I know you don't just exclusively do
1: poetry, but
0: right. do you remember when was the first uh, poem? Or
1: uh, actually, uh, so uh, the whole like self-titling of a being a lover boy is mm-hmm. because from a very young age, like probably kindergarten or first grade, right when you start school traditionally mm-hmm. here, I was the person that I would want to handwrite and hand make valentines for every single person in my class, for my teachers. And like that was me. Or I would beg my mom to like buy me flowers so I could hand them out to people with like little handwritten notes. Oh my God. Um, so that was like, I think I came out porn, like mm-hmm. being that person. that mm-hmm. I was like, I have to share these ideas with people, but I want them to feel good or happy or yeah yeah
0: (laughs) and do you remember how young you were when you first did like what you would deem as a poem
1: oh probably like five or six is when you're like trying to fumble and like you think you have an understanding Mm -hmm. of like language yeah
0: That's amazing. Yeah, we have we have had a few poet guests who also said around that time, but usually a lot of them. Again, for every poet, it will be different. Like what age and how they come to poetry. But it's wonderful, and I I feel like you should be working for Hallmark or something, (laughs) or or their, you know, like, special division of specialized valentines.
1: Absolutely. (laughs) I actually started doing live poetry writing for, like, any events that I go to. So literally, it follows, like, the model of you pay whatever you can. Hmm. And I will, I custom print paper, and I will write the poem right there after having a brief conversation with the individual.
0: Oh, that's amazing.
1: Um, and that's really helped me, like, exercise muscles that I didn't think I had. Mm-hmm. So.
0: <laughs> yeah, that is a talent that I, I don't think I have. I still need a much more t- uh, time to process. Yeah even though sometimes my poems come pretty quickly yeah i'm not sure if i can do where like i'm just having a conversation with someone and do what you do
1: it was definitely something that i wanted to try and challenge myself with because i definitely understand like you're like i need time to process and i'm like but sometimes i would take too long mm. just where i'm at now is that i'm concerned about missing opportunities in my life mm. And I think part of my writing is opening up opportunities for myself. Yeah. I don't even know Mm -hmm. what they look like or if they have a tangible end. Mm -hmm. It's just fun. Yeah, Yeah. it is.
0: Where do you
1: do these? I started doing them at the Zine Fest, the Phoenix Zine Fest here last year. Okay. And I continued it on this year. Uh, There are a couple of, like, other markets that I'm tabling at. Okay. So if I have, like, somebody who is, like, also selling at the same table with me, then I will use that time to... And I'll just put out a little sign that I made.
0: Okay, okay. (laughs) That's awesome. That's really great. I didn't realize you were doing that see. This is why I love these (laughs) conversations. I discover so much. We're learning
1: about each other. It's good.
0: Yeah, awesome. So um, I guess this is as good time as any for you to read your poem, and then we can dig into it.
1: Oh, yeah, Absolutely. So this one is Animal Brain. I wrote this literally just before the, the poetry reading that we oh, we did together. wow. Yeah. Wow. Um, because I was like, I get in my brain. I get <laughs> in my brain and I'm like, I don't like this. And then I'll, I won't get rid of it, but I will uh, hold on to it.
0: <laughs> right, right, right. Um, I mean, they're all your thoughts. I feel like poetry, in a way, is an artistic form of a time capsule.
1: That is one I haven't heard, and I really, really like that idea. Thank you.
0: Yeah, yeah. it just captures that moment. Like, mm-hmm. what, what was I thinking at that moment?
1: <laughs> right. It, that seems so wild because I've recently found like old Polaroids, mm. and like those are very much what I consider also like a form of like time capsuling or yeah. time keeping. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, I like the idea of like time capsules for your thoughts or your feelings or yeah. That's yeah. cool. That's I love that a lot. Cool. Thanks. All right, so we will start. I pace, inhaling your pleas for salvation. I dance on the precipice of unadulterated ecstasy. I can't help but give to compulsion. And you, you're gasping for what? To feel the heat of your core pressed against me. Bend, ebb, tense. Searching for a lifeline to ground you. Occupy my mouth. Give me one good reason to know silence. How is it that we deny ourselves pleasure? Do we fear, desire? as if it will steer us away from our own hearts? Have we forgotten our wants, constantly hum for us to act, as we've always longed for? Nice.
0: Very nice. Thank you.
1: No, absolutely.
0: It sounds like you were speaking to someone. I don't know if you were or had someone in mind.
1: I, I didn't have anyone in mind. Most of the things I write, again, it's it's to maybe what is it reach somebody who may be feeling the same or may have had that idea or concept in the moment Mm -hmm. and just didn't have necessarily the words Mm. because a lot of the times when i write it's because i don't have the words Mm. and then i'm like i need to find them okay do you ever have like moments like that
0: i'm not sure i'm drawing a blank right now you know you know what
1: (laughs) (laughs) yep yep i get it
0: (laughs) Yes, poetry is definitely a means for me to express my feelings. Um, I tend to write longer pieces when I have very strong emotions and I yeah, tend yeah. to just rant and just be like, emotional throw-up basically is how uh, i characterize my
1: poetry so <laughs> that that is i won't yep, i'm right there for i'm right there with it i get it it makes sense that seems like a very natural response to intense feelings
0: yeah yeah it's like ah! i can't feel because i can't hold this within you feel like you will either explode or implode yeah. or something and you're like okay <laughs> And I feel like poetry is a much healthier way for me to process those feelings. And I did not realize until like more recently that this is a good processing tool.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. Writing in general has been very cathartic and probably therapeutic in my life.
0: Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I feel the same way. And if you heard the episodes, I'm always saying that it's like poetry is a self care tool for uh-huh. me. Yeah. Yeah. And I've run into people who say that as well. Besides you, and I think it's a good way for us because it's both an art form, but also uses. Oh, I found out actually from psychologists, psychiatrists that it is a left brain activity because it's a literary art. It's not a right brain as when you're drawing. Yeah. So it's interesting because you feel like it's something like a combination because as I said before it's a art form uh-huh. at the same time you need to find words to express this jumble of a cauldron of whatever it is that's just burning yeah, inside. Yeah.
1: okay, that's wild. Yeah, no, that's wild to think about. Our brain is another like uncharted territory mm-hmm. for at least this, the traditional sciences. Anything that they say flexes like multiple portions of your brain, I immediately default to it's healthier for you and I'll help you live longer. All of those things.
0: Yeah. I think poetry, because a lot of time we kind of have repetitive feelings, Uh you know, especially when we're talking about desire. It's something that we have on on a very regular basis. You know, there's a lot of stimuli out there. Oh,
1: too much. (laughs) (laughs) There's too much in the world.
0: Yeah, and not just like other human beings, but also like in terms of food, in terms of music, in terms of just anything that really stimulates the senses where you say, oh, I want it.
1: Yeah yeah I think that that is applicable to just about anything in mm-hmm, life. Mm-hmm.
0: and so as a poet as somebody who writes, mm-hmm. we always have to learn new language in order to express that not in the same old way you don't write the same poem over and over over again but you want to use different words so that <laughs> you know even though you're expressing the same concept you're still producing a new piece of art
1: yeah no 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 absolutely sometimes I think that's one of my biggest fears is that how do you repackage kind of the same umbrella idea or concept Mm -hmm. or understanding universal understanding or shared experience so that it is more than palatable to different audiences.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. I don't know if i figured that out yet, but I am tr- definitely trying to learn.
0: I think you're <laughs> on a good path. And I'm also saying that because like, your poem, I don't know if it's posted anywhere. I would love for people to look at it as well because it has a visual element
1: to yeah. it. Uh, I can definitely put it up. I haven't because it was literally, uh, the only reason I had typed it up was to give it to you.
0: Oh, okay.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It was handwritten and I was like, oh my good there are like hash marks and like cross outs. Right, right, right.
0: But I I think it's interesting. So um, at first when you were reading it, I wasn't sure when the visual element came in. So it came in when you were typing it out to me.
1: Yeah, yeah, Mm -hmm. absolutely. Because when when it's like written in my notes, Mm -hmm it starts developing kind of like structures and line breaks and everything mm-hmm. like that but in my head i hear it um i hear the cadence i hear the tempo i hear yeah. the rhythm and that's yeah that's just because i've been lucky enough to play around with music a lot
0: yeah i find when i'm writing trying to put a visual element on it to be highly distracting for me
1: oh I mean, okay
0: yeah i wrote a poem Inspired by my visit to Horseshoe Bend. And so the poem, the ends form a curve. Oh, okay. And it was so difficult to write, man, because I was like, okay, usually your only constraint is what words would you use, but then I was constrained by the line length because I'm trying to make this damn curve. Right, you're trying to make the curve.
1: (laughs) I okay, so that is something that I think is like super, just like fascinating to me because now I know that you also do that. But some of like the other like artists in the community that I've met, they have this understanding or this want or desire to build like a visual piece Mm -hmm, to poetry mm -hmm. that I've just started delving into because of like people telling me things like that Mm -hmm. like that's like what (laughs) Um, it's always fascinating to see how people will structure it like if people are going to read it and don't actually get the visualization of you of hearing it Mm -hmm, being mm -hmm. read to them and like what that does to how they experience it.
0: Yeah, and I, I'm not sure. I'm I'm not big on the visual poetry thing okay. because I feel like both in writing it, just having that experience. I have I have two visual poems. Period.
1: That's okay. It, okay. So far, you have I a think, lot of poetry,
0: though. <laughs> I do. I do <laughs> so that explains. Yeah. So it's a very tiny little bit of the body of work I have. Yeah. And the the reason why I don't venture into it more is because it's too distracting i'm i'm very interested in getting the words out getting oh, okay. and not lose the emotional impact of the words because i'm too preoccupied by oh how will this look you know cuz i guess my major aim is not using words to paint on a paper rather than using words to paint my expression
1: right right so I okay, that is another side of the argument that I've heard, and I'm no, I like completely respect it. Yeah, again, like cause, because I'm also probably very similar to you, I've just never been that person mm-hmm. to make visual poems, right? Or at least visual elements to it.
0: But this one is so I'm really appreciative that you tell me it's something that you did afterwards because my second visual poem, also, is something that I decided, you know what, I, I want. There to be a visual representation. Oh,
1: okay, yeah. It was more, if, like, you were to read it, I want you to see where those, like, line breaks are happening versus, like, building this structure, this visual structure for it. I probably would have, like, written that on, like, a nude painting.
0: Mm-hmm. That's what I
1: would have done right yeah. right because
0: then e- even though it's apparent that you are talking about physical desire but mm-hmm. still having the new pa- painting sort of reinforces that idea yeah
1: like sometimes i get concerned that there is limitations mm-hmm. because of what poetry is and it's a use and like toying around with language mm-hmm. um that it can some sometimes be ostracizing to somebody who may be like multilingual mm-hmm. and their understanding of like how different languages work yeah. uh, might get lost or like mismatched. But I also think that those are the same people that have the best like toolbox, so to speak. Yeah,
0: they have a, I think, more nuance and also a wider, bigger toolbox. Yes, yeah, yeah. You know, I, I found that... In learning, especially romantic languages, it had helped me, had continued to help me increase my English vocabulary. Okay. Because a lot of romance language retain the uh, words that are slightly older in English or where you actually find in English in more academic worlds. So mm-hmm. longer, like uh, words with more syllables. They okay. tend to be like the Latin words or ones that share Latin roots, mm-hmm. that's been a Adopted across both the romantic language and also into a Germanic yeah. language like English, so I I really love the um, the idea of you know
1: multilingual writers writing in whatever
0: language they decide, but
1: yeah. having the option
0: you know so much more wider option.
1: Yeah, that it. is fascinating me because then people think in the languages that they know and that's coming from me and i suck at learning languages (laughs) um i like fumble through spanish and my my parents both spoke english and spanish so Mm -hmm. it was not like something that should have been lost on me but it was um I don't tell people that I speak English because I'm like that's also something I fumble through, <laughs> and I try to learn bits and pieces of like other languages mm-hmm. because I like the way it sounds.
0: Right, right. <laughs> there's a lot of like uh, oral aspect to to sound, right? Yeah, no, no,
1: absolutely. Yeah, I think there's a whole like oral and like auditory aspect to people.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. I mean that's why people love French so much because it sounds so nice. Yeah. Yeah.
1: That's why people listen and like purchase subscriptions to music services because Mm -hmm. of those sounds. Yeah. Um, And it doesn't have to be uh, like a song with a lyric, it could literally just be like the beat of three. Uh, different instruments creating like Mm -hmm. this ambient effect for them
0: right 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 i mean that's why every cafe has some background (laughs) right and sometimes you go into a place especially when there's a food place you go into and they're playing techno and you just feel like okay i need to eat faster 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 (laughs) (laughs) and if they're doing it strategically which some restaurants do Uh, they do want you to get the hell out because then they can have turnovers
1: yeah, they not only want you to get the hell out, or they'll play something that like for stores they play something that keeps you in the store longer, oh, uh, wow. and it allows your brain to lull enough just to like forget what you came there for and <laughs> maybe <laughs> buy more. Ah, now I know <laughs> <Some> secrets.
0: It's <laughs> good to know. Wait, how do you know this? What I think I
1: watched like a mini documentary on on it, oh, and cool. it was maybe on the specific like sound beats or like. Okay. And then how it was beneficial to like really large corporations in like their physical locations. Right, right.
0: And I don't know if the documentary also had talked about how there is a formula actually for what songs are chart toppers. They were able to analyze all these top, like whatever, 100 songs from across the genre, yeah. uh, also across time. Okay. And they were able to analyze, there is a formula apparently
1: i think that may have been in another like documentary that's more recent
0: and i think poetry is that bridge between prose even though it could come in prose form Mm -hmm. and and music because there is musicality in poetry yeah not only the rhythm but also the cadence there is a musicality to the grouping of words in poetry that's not as apparent in regular language like regular speaking.
1: Yeah I was uh, definitely somebody who I think was teased because I spoke in the way like my poetry because it's the way I think Mm -hmm. I speak that way sometimes when people are Mm -hmm. like where are you from like what time period are you from what country are you from because all of this is just very confusing. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like no it makes perfect sense.
0: I don't even know how we got onto this topic, but it's been awesome. It's been awesome. (laughs) But I want to go back to your poetry a little bit and talk about what
1: inspired
0: you to... Write that particular moment, I know you were not writing it toward any specific person,
1: mm-hmm.
0: but what made you decide to think about Niki when you were, like, right before Pilafari? Oh, no, no, no. <laughs>
1: um, so I work in sex education, um, oh. but uh, before that, I'm the most, like, sex-positive person, um, <laughs> and my sisters would probably say other things, <laughs> but I believe that physical... Intimacy, physical attraction, physical expressions, they are all very human experiences. Mm-hmm. And I i think that in whatever structure that we currently live in, like this concept of civility or normality, I think it tries to kind of like buffer that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm like, no, we as humans are animals. Mm-hmm. And we've just been lying to ourselves to say that we're not.
0: Oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. And
1: so... Yeah, all of those things, like physical expression or yeah, anything like that, I'm like, that is just very, a very human experience. Yeah. Um, and to not acknowledge that is only limiting or maybe even deterring yourself from like doing things.
0: Um, yeah, and enjoying your life. And I feel like we have a very prominent example of that in RVP VP. <laughs> 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 yep. Oh, man. I, I keep wondering, what is he really into? That he feels a need to just, like, be so tight about.
1: I I don't know. I've, I don't know. I have no idea. That is just, like, a whole different monster. I'm just...
0: I'm always, like, concerned
1: about, like, people like that. Because I'm always like, that could be, like, a ticking...
0: Time bomb. Time yes. bomb, basically. And I'm
1: like, oh, no. No, no, no. You're dangerous to yourself. You're dangerous to the rest of the world and community. And I'm like...
0: Yeah, yeah. It's just like, why are you so afraid? There's such fear of letting go. When I hear about news about him, yeah. I feel like he's always trying to just keep up appearances. And I'm just like, what is underneath the veneer? What if we scratch a little bit deeper? I and
1: uh, yes, if we scratch a little bit deeper, I don't know. I'm gonna um, if I'm gonna like anything, I find <laughs> I mean very much what is presented, not anything I like. But I'm also like. <laughs> I made an extremist on, like, liberal I don't even think is okay with acknowledging me.
0: (laughs) (laughs) We're definitely on a spectrum, right? And and a lot of the world, especially in the U.S., tends to be more towards the uh, right. Yeah. I, I think it was interesting what you were talking about, both the title of your poem, what you were expressing, and also the idea of us not acknowledging our animal self the, the fact is that we are part of the animal kingdom but to distinguish ourselves and also now codify in religiosity uh-huh. of, of the culture is that we keep wanting to say and also like u.s culture saying you know unum," e all this like yeah. we are better than yeah this culture we just keep wanting to separate rather than say you know what actually we are just animal just like you said yeah
1: no absolutely and i completely respect and i think people should value this like understanding and concept of an ego Mm -hmm. i think we were misled into thinking that an ego is dangerous to us Mm -hmm. but in in fact I, i think it's really important so In that sense of, sure, distinction as human is different than animal. Mm -hmm. Fine. You can make that argument. But I'm not going to be like, no. You still want to do things that we still very physiologically have an animal, or like a lizard brain, Mm -hmm. as I think some people refer to it. And that, that affects our emotions. And I'm a total softie, but all emotional, hence lover boy. Oh, <laughs> it's going to be my next tattoo, actually. Oh, yeah. nice. I,
0: I love what you have. This was more like a Pikachu, sort of that cutesy anime. Um, yeah, Well, It is Pokemon. It is P- Pokemon.
1: Yeah.
0: So, but then you also have more... Um,
1: uh, like a drawing like, I did when yeah. I was little.
0: Yeah, that's what my question was. So you did that drawing. Yes, so-
1: yes. Yes. Wow, um, you have very talented. It was just something that I got it after my father passed away, and I was like, it's going to be the first one that I get.
0: Mm-mm. So it was <laughs> yeah. the first Yeah, okay. it, it was. Is it a coyote or a wolf?
1: It's both. I was fascinated and obsessed with like wild dogs or canines, mm-hmm. um, and then that just transitioned to like big cats, and so those are like two of my animals that I love.
0: I love them both, too. Yeah. I'm like, why are you people fighting? Love them both.
1: <laughs> um, I will always say I don't trust cat people because <gasps> cats are smarter. Cats are absolutely smart. We bred dogs to rely on us and depend on us, and we're awful. Cats outsmart us all the time. And I'm terrified that I'm going to wake up and, like, somebody's cat is going to want to eat me. No. <laughs> or I'm going to be missing a toe. Like, that, is, that is what I think about cats. And I'm like, you know what? I respect that you're smarter than me.
0: Hey, so you like the big, big cats. You don't trust the smaller version.
1: <sighs> I don't know if I trust them, but I'm still, I'm like, I love animals way more than people most of the time. So I'm just yeah. like, you know what? you're cool i'm gonna respect your space but you want a treat like that's me <laughs>
0: yeah i i love them both i just feel like it's sort of like interacting with different people because they are individuals all of them yeah um, but at the same time if you want to talk just in terms of canine or dog as a group and the feline cats as a group there is a certain distinct in the way that they interact with humans and oh yeah also you know, obviously they're different species. I read that apparently cats was uh, domesticated for a lot shorter time than dogs, oh, okay. and that's why the interaction is so different. Because in a sense, cat people have a wild animal in their household. Yeah, they are wild, and they. Are I believe that. I believe yeah. that. Yes, But I don't know about toes. I mean, I can tell you as a as a long lifelong cat lover is that they won't eat your toes. Okay. They'll, they'll lick it. And they'll sand it with their tongue because it's sandy.
1: <laughs> I'm like, oh, let's see. I'm like, oh no, the cat's gonna get me.
0: <laughs> Unless you put treats on your toes. I will. I, I will
1: not because I'm like, I don't want anything near my toes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh no. So you don't have a fee fetish. Uh, I don't, I don't, but
1: I do know a lot of people who do, and I'm like,
0: okay, I support you. But don't suck on the toe.
1: Uh, no, I'm just like,
0: don't, You're.
1: we're, we're just friends. <laughs> that's my argument.
0: See, that's important. I feel like, you know, going back to sex positivity mm-hmm. is that until you know, until you've experimented, you know, within legal bounds, obviously, yeah. um, you can't with any definitive way of saying, I don't like this
1: yeah 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 i i would definitely argue that i'm all for people trying out things it's part of the experience you try out things every day in your life unless you're the person that wakes up at the exact same time you take the exact same steps to your kitchen to make your coffee like there are always levels of deviation right and that is like what opens up the blinders in like your world for you maybe (laughs) i don't know
0: yeah no it's true (laughs) I, i I just spoke with somebody else who has a similar view, but a lot of people don't think of exploration in the everyday sense like you just talked about uh-huh. how you might be able to let's say, skip to your coffee pot rather than just walk the way that you usually or maybe stumble because you haven't woken up yet. Uh, yep,
1: that's me. I'm a I'm a stumbling skipper. <laughs> because I'm like, if I do something silly, it'll wake me up and then I'm going to have a great time. Oh, wow. That's interesting. Yeah. I'm, right? I will also be the person that tries to do the most embarrassing thing so that everybody <laughs> else feels comfortable because I'm like, I'm not going to judge you because I do these things on a regular basis. Um, yeah.
0: Cool. Going back to the the visual element again yeah. of your poem. So you were talking about if you were to present it, you would put words on, on a new statue. So I actually visualized that, and I don't know why. It, it was a female version of David, even though okay. it's still David. It's, yeah. it's somehow female. I don't know why. It's really weird. But I had this marble statue. or
1: That would um, be cool. David. I can't sculpt marble to save my life. <laughs> i would probably just crack the entire thing so i'd probably make it out of like paper mache since i would feel better Ooh,
0: that's <laughs> really interesting that reminds me i Mesa Artslov has a gallery and one of their residents was an artist did this paper mache like what looked like a dress and then she put a wolf's face on oh. the? I'll, I'll show it to you afterwards okay it's really amazing if you like
1: working with paper I'm somebody that I like to learn as many things as possible, Hmm. like especially tactile things, Mm because I'm like, oh my gosh, this is connecting with my brain. But I've always, I've learned very easily in different whatever avenues right. I learned how to sew which is just something that I like doing right. or like learning how to fix things mm-hmm. so sometimes cars it depends there's a lot of YouTube cool. that I need to watch but yeah <laughs> learning tactile skills is it's just fun life is all about having fun for me uh-huh. and so.
0: uh-huh. well actually one of my dreams about uh, retiring I don't know when that might <laughs> be is I love sports cars for their curves Oh, okay. Um, because they they have to be aerodynamic, so they're very curvy, and I love the curves. And, yeah. And so I don't I don't tend to like angular sports cars. Like oh, uh, oh, I
1: forget. They're, so like you don't like Lamborghinis, you like old Corvettes.
0: Yeah, I I prefer Corvettes or what's the British brand? Lotus. I love oh, Lotus. Oh yeah. The design and Mercedes Sixties. Oh okay. Pretty much all the old Bond cars.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, those were all cool. Those were like. Quintessential things, not necessarily for my childhood, but when I made the correlation of like cool, sleek, and the person who's driving it is also cool and sleek, and I was like, that's what I want in life. And I don't know if my role models were appropriate.
0: <laughs> yeah, but like you know, as an activist and as somebody who who has expresses sex positivity, oh. and you know, you reflect back on that, you're like, they're not very sex positive. They're more like getting what they want right yeah yeah <laughs> like especially bond he's
1: like oh, love
0: them and leave them. yeah
1: of bond was like the epitome or like one of the original like uh, f boys
0: yeah definitely <laughs> i don't know i'm trying to learn all
1: of this like slang that people like i guess younger than i myself use and i'm i don't get it yeah, i actually, finally i don't
0: know what is a F boy, I thought it was just a toy, basically. It,
1: it's it's basically like yeah. the, the toy boy, toy, yeah, a toy, <laughs> yeah. a playboy who thinks they're cool. Yeah.
0: Oh, okay. So F boy has more of a flair, more like. Uh,
1: I know. I don't know. I don't even I'm know. If, hot? Yeah, I don't even know if that's like the 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 term people use anymore now. I'm, like, trying to learn, and I'm like, uh,
0: what? But you have to know, you're in sex education, I, know, I count on you. When I, I, I go
1: to these high schools, and I, like, ask, like, I go to high school sometimes, the last time I went to was Hamilton mm-hmm. and Chandler, and uh. And I was asking like, what are, what are like, some of the terms that you use? And they're right. like, I don't know, we don't talk about sex with anyone. And I'm like, oh, gosh.
0: <laughs> There's some surveys saying that the, the current generation of teenagers are having less sex than...
1: It's probably because it was- it's boring and waste their time. They have learned not to waste their uh, initial experiences on people who don't know what they're doing.
0: Well, hopefully it is that. I, is, is it that? Is that what you're
1: finding? I don't know if that's necessarily what I'm finding, but that's what I'm hoping. I always, so I always want people to have the most fun and the most pleasurable experiences, right. and that doesn't necessarily always translate to people's like initial or first experiences. No, no. And I work with like even like much older adults too sometimes, uh-huh, uh-huh. and the story is the same. Yeah. And so like that breaks my heart. I'm like, this is not okay. The world cannot continue like this. People get it together. I will have workshops for people. And I'm like...
0: We do need workshops for people. I swear to God, I was going to write a porn that was like educational. I wanted to because I'm just like... We desperately need good educational porn.
1: You know what? I feel like that would be so well adopted by... The public in general, like, I'm just using this big umbrella, like, general public <laughs> would love that, even though they would might seem embarrassed or nervous
0: about it. Yeah, but yeah. that's the great thing about porn. You can, you can you know, consume it in the privacy of your own. Absolutely. And you don't have
1: to tell anybody, but we're like... <laughs> There's a secret wink that everybody knows.
0: Yeah, yeah. I'll I'll write some some really special techniques that
1: once they use it,
0: you know they've watched it. That's
1: true, and then you're like, all right, we're on the same boat. Got it. Got it.
0: Well, speaking of porn. Yeah. Oh my god, what's up? Well, I feel like definitely my poem which was... I love your poem. Thank you. I was like, this speaks to me. (laughs) Your poem made me think of it because I always choose my poem in reaction to the guest poem. Okay. So I was like, ooh, yeah. (laughs) And I feel like my poem maybe has a pornographic aspect in terms of describing actions. Where yours is still like, Ooh, baby, I want to get with you. So that that stage, I'm more like,
1: here's what I'm going to do
0: to you, A, B, and C. See, and I,
1: I love that. I'm like, because I do have a lot that are like that. Maybe I haven't posted them up, but I have made, like, miniature poetry Ooh. books of those specifically.
0: Ooh, I want
1: to read um, that. And one of them was actually called Body or Cuerpo, which is oh, okay. body in Spanish.
0: Yeah, nice. um,
1: and so, like, I was literally drawing... Like doodles. Ooh, cool. I'm a doodler. Oh,
0: okay.
1: wow, you have a great talent. I love, uh, I love that. No, thank you. I so. have other ones happening, so. <laughs> I have to cool. afford my tattoo problem.
0: <laughs> I know. They are still so costly, despite how popular I mean, you know they are. You know what? They
1: are costly, but in my brain, I'm, like, supporting the artist and, like, yes. all of the work that they did. Because I trust myself <laughs> to give myself a tattoo, but not to make it look as good as they have made it.
0: But, but this is one of your drawings. So. This
1: is one of my drawings, but I didn't tattoo it on myself. Right. I have, true. like, a bat that I tattooed on myself here. Oh, wow. It was the first one that I was like, I'm going to learn how to do this. Right, right, And I did it, and I was like, oh, my goodness. <laughs> it's not bad. I, I've touched it up, and I'm like, no, it's beautiful. I don't mind. And I'm right, like, yeah.
0: right. But have you have you decided to also learn the other side of the laser removal technique?
1: I have not <laughs> decided that. I, you know what? I have decided that – so – my Instagram handle is novena vila and that means ninth life. Mm-hmm. Nine is like my lucky number, um, mm-hmm. and I will probably end up with a lot of nine tattoos on my body. Right,
0: right. um, An interlocking nine could be amazing.
1: Yeah, and I, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so I always tell people I'll only remember this life once, mm-hmm. um, and I may be on my ninth one. I don't know until I get there, right. um, and I don't know what that looks like. There's no getting rid of these because these are all like different stories. Right. And right. if I do, it's only to make room for something else.
0: Right, right. That makes sense. And you can add to it and just make it part of a composite. Thing. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's amazing. Like I like the idea of how, like, body as canvas and... Uh, I actually wrote a poem about, um, unfortunately, it was a negative experience, but it was oh. still body as a canvas. Yeah. I enjoy looking at other people's tattoos, but it's just too painful for me.
1: No, and I, I respect that. I also respect everybody who says my body is a temple and I don't want to do that. And I'm like, you know what? I support that. Yeah, as long yeah. like as long as you are adhering to whatever feels right for you, Right. Uh, of course, if it involves anybody else, consent and legalities. Cause right, I'm like,
0: exactly. <laughs> you always have to say that because like what you were saying about the ego before is that that can be taken too far and same as saying you know whatever you're into is fine that could be taken too far because some people though despite the fact that maybe we don't whatever we like may not incur into illegal territories Mm -hmm. some people do but more important than what's legal or illegal but what's hurtful or not hurtful towards someone yeah
1: yeah yeah. my core belief is that as long as all of the parties involved are consenting
0: right. and, adults and,
1: and, and adults and adults, yeah, and not yeah.
0: under pressure <laughs> yeah
1: well that is a form of consent yeah. like yeah. people don't realize that if there is like language that's being used to be coercive right. that's not consensual
0: right I feel, I feel like finally we are learning some some of that through the Weinstein case because he always asked and people uh, technically say yes. Well, some people yeah. technically say yes. He's being prosecuted, and only in the instances where they're not saying yes. But I feel like that is bringing the conversation to the fore about the nuance of consent, yeah. the coercion that could go into getting
1: somebody. to Yeah, consent. and the nuance of consent, but also the the risk and dangers of like systems of hierarchy. Yes,
0: yes, um,
1: And like uh, putting so much value and respect and weight behind, like, somebody that they have that much, quote-unquote, influence right. over somebody else. Yes. Yeah. That can be part of the sex positivity. and sex education has always been consent, but also support a survivor's. Yes. like yes. no, nope, you listen, you listen because this is not your your uh, table to speak at. Right, right. Um, but I I say that about like any form of oppression, marginalization, and or weaponization of sex.
0: Yes, and and that's why like part of the reason this week has been so like exhausting for me is because of the Kobe Bryant thing because there is just an overwhelming blanket of accolades that there is a shutting up of. Survivors who want to talk about the other side of what he did, uh-huh. and I got into it with some people, and and I don't know if you heard about the uh, Washington Post reporter who got suspended because she posted this Daily Beast article from three years back detailing the rape
1: charges and the rape. I, I did not. Yeah, no, I did not see that. I'm not very black and white on a lot of things, mm-hmm. but when it comes to like weaponization of sex and creating this dynamic of victimization where they cannot speak out right. or even acknowledge what has happened, then right. then I've got an issue. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. And I feel like a lot of the people who are grieving and they have a right to grieve. At the same time, I feel like they don't understand how shutting down this opportunity in a way to have this more nuanced conversation is reinforcing The word that comes to mind is rape culture, even though I don't want to use it because it's such a loaded word, you know. But it does reinforce this culture of silencing of victims. Mm -hmm. And that is a nuance that I feel like even within the limited conversation, people are having about the negative side of the Kobe experience. Yeah. Anyway, well, this is going to be a hard and awkward transition because I'm going (laughs) to read my poem now. And it's about sex.
1: It is about
0: sex. But, you know, I, I think whenever we talk about sex, we engage in sex. We always have to think about how sex is being, not so much used, but also sex is being performed. I, I, you know, both of them sound like uh, deliberate, but how we live our sexual experience.
1: Right, right. And I, I think all of life is pretty much a performance. Mm-hmm. Not to, like, quote Shakespeare or anything, but <laughs> I probably would. That was me. That was- <laughs> That was me as a child. I think there has been a big, huge push for the experience of sex to be performative or for other partners and not necessarily for the self. And I think right now we're in the moment of reclaiming sex for ourselves.
0: Yeah, I hope so. Especially for the female body or female identifying portion of the populace. Yeah. Well, let me read this and then <laughs> I feel like my poem is like a distraction now to this conversation. But no, no, we'll no. Think I think back I think we'll... into it. Because I, I think it'll, like,
1: we can find a lot of transitions from your poem. <laughs> go, go, go. Also, your poem, poem's really, really nice. Thank I you. I was trying to think of well written, and I'm like, powerful. And I, <laughs> my brain was like, nice. <laughs> yeah. it, like, I like awkward, nice. Awkward, nice is nice. <laughs> awkward brain is me, like on a daily basis.
0: <laughs> so my poem is called "Wanton." Darling, you make me sharpen my canines. In anticipation for the hunt of a delirious chase to pump new blood into an unrequited heart warming the cooled muscle for a rejuvenating exercise raring for the first taste of salted flesh still flushed blushing Victorian sensibilities while haunting fevered dreams tracking a scent seductive irises expand like the night engulfing your figure desired. Unsheath the clawed paws to shred ties of civility and shear buttons from their seat. After you make the requisite supplication on the knees, moistened lips spread wide to engorge the meaty feast.
1: Yeah, that is a lot of vivid imagery. I love it. I love it because I'm like, I want people to be like... You know, have a little bit of a gas moment or, like, a taken-aback moment. Um, Yeah, because it's not, like, explicit, like our previous conversation about, like, porn. It's not Mm -hmm. explicit in that way. But when you read it, you're like, I should be experiencing something very visceral or, Mm -hmm, yeah. mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Or primitive or primal. Mm -hmm. Primal is one of my favorite words.
0: Yeah, that's why when i visualize this poem i used to because now i don't have the time oh i post excerpts of my poem with the image background Uh that's my artistic expression yeah so the one that i have is i found a painting someone did of a wolf facing a woman Mm -hmm. and both of them are sort of drenched in these beautiful paint patches uh different colors and i just felt like that really visualized what I want to say because going back to this idea of how we are now expressing especially those identifying as female Mm -hmm. because I feel like at least in recent history maybe for the past two three hundred years Mm -hmm. especially women's expression of sexuality Mm -hmm. has been frowned upon so that we continue to perpetuate this idea of of saint or or sinner, virgin or slut. This idea that there's no space in between. And I'm a huge proponent of somebody who identifies as female can be as hypersexual as she wants and still be
1: as choosy as she wants. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because those who have fallen into this image of male have always been able to have that experience. Mm -hmm. So, like female sexuality was so I don't want to say erased, but it kind of was erase mm-hmm. that it used to be considered hysteria. And they would literally get some get a woman off and that was like a therapy session. Yeah. Anybody? Did you see would, movie? Yeah, uh yeah I did actually. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but how is that even possible? Right. It's basically consent to sexual assault it's, it, it's so weird it, it's the fact that it was not seen as a it wasn't a sexual experience and i'm like um that we have created like a societal disconnect from our the body, from mm-hmm. the experiences of the body, and what that can bring to our everyday experience. Right. And I'm also all for the reclamation of words, mm-hmm. and slut is, like, wha- another one of my favorite words. <laughs> I'm like, sure, I'll self-identify. I don't care, because I don't think it's a bad thing, and people are like... So. Well, to me, I do
0: have a little reservation for that particular word mm-hmm. for the idea of slut-shaming, because of the, and also, similarly, I have a problem with people using the N-word, whether or not they're reclaiming it or not, because it has this very long history of negative use, Mm -hmm. and because we cannot go to everyone and explain that history, Mm -hmm. there's always a negative connotation for me, and so when people say that, I'm still saying, no, but you're still calling her a slut, though and i feel like that should go out of concept because women who have sex who have sex regularly who have multiple partners are not sluts they're just sexual beings just like men are sexual beings who have multiple partners uh, you know who for instance uh, one of the default fantasies for men is having two girls and that's totally as normal like anybody could say that okay maybe not in a work environment but you know it's something i mean that people, i can say
1: that in my work environment <laughs>
0: yeah yeah exactly but people can just say that and it's not looked at as shocking as like oh my god yeah you just drop a, a bomb on our heads or something like that it's very kind of normalized whereas if well, a woman was to say you know i want two men it's like oh then she's into everything
1: I kind of understand how people make that assumption. And I think that's part of why I'm such a huge fan of the Reclamation Awards. The N-word belongs to the community Mm -hmm. and the people that it has so long been negatively used against. And um, I think that is a very clear one that it needs to be reclaimed because it is very much trying to harness a huge part of how language affected so much historical experiences for mm-hmm, people. Mm-hmm. I would say slut does not have that same weight. It was also an attempt to weaponize female sexuality. And, yeah. and I'm like, no weaponize female sexuality into a way that it is a powerful thing for you because it's so natural or natural part of the experience or human experience Right. it is also a a powerful very important facet of humanity
0: yeah i mean sex and sexuality are and i always wonder when people are like slut shaming and Mm -hmm. and criticizing women for being sexual or Mm -hmm. expressing their sexuality i'm like who do you think the men, the straight men, are having sex with? I mean, so, <laughs> yeah, no, I like. it's
1: an essential part to, to, like, dismantle the male gaze. Yeah. And, unfortunately, language has also been a tool in perpetuating the male gaze. Mm-hmm. And so... Women or female identifying persons have always been on the other end of the microscope, being hyper-focused on, being Mm -hmm. hyper-judged on every level. Mm -hmm. Um, And not even just like sexuality, but that was one of the best tools and means to keep that hyper-focus and hyper-judgment.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, if you're into any kind of kink, you're into everything. And they use that as a um, excuse for rape. Is sexual assault
1: there's never an excuse for you
0: no never is an and i'm like but they do yeah. i mean this is part of a lot of defense strategy going back to the kobe case is that one of the things that i'm still hearing from just having these conversations is that oh she had sex she had multiple partners that was one of the things that their defense used
1: to try to dissuade and her. yeah that's something that's commonly used and like a it's a a broken argument, mm-hmm. but because of people's cultural understanding of like sex and sexuality, um, and I use culture as a like very broad term as well. Mm-hmm. Again, it's further per- perpetuating a understanding of sex as it should be somehow demeaning or problematic to a person.
0: Mm-hmm. Unless you into that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, again, if my partner is consensual, then it it, it can happen. Um, right. But like I'm again. I don't kink shame either, because that's a very important part of some people's expressions of sex.
0: Right. And I think it's very important for people to realize that, especially when mainstream media focus on, you know, like a sexual assault case, the way that they express it always makes one think that sex is just vanilla, or most of sex is vanilla, except for this small community that's hidden somewhere. Whereas I feel like uh, a lot of Horrible experiences uh, stemming out of sexual experiences is the mismatch because we are what you said in the beginning that we are frowned upon when we are talking trying to communicate about sex mm-hmm. so that it's so hidden that people don't have the language for it people don't have the vocabulary to talk about what they want or what they want to experiment with mm-hmm. that if Anybody from the kink community talk about anything then again, especially for female uh, Identifying people then they're like, oh, then you're into everything then I can do anything. I want to you
1: Yeah, no that I I'm like as soon as somebody even Presents kind of that like concept or understanding then I'm like the like camera or the lens definitely has to be turned inward. yeah, there needs to be so much self-reflection there because If that is your understanding of sex, then you have a lot more things to dismantle than um, the people who want to participate in activities with you. Right. Yeah.
0: It's really frustrating. I feel like a lot of mainstream male discussions focuses on, though we're moving away from it, I don't feel like we're moving fast enough. I hope it doesn't take more generations. Because we're still very much, as you said, very male-centered in terms of who gets to have pleasure. Like, how media... Since
1: heteronormative or heterosexual yeah. male. Uh, yeah. It has been... Yeah. I mean, and, of course, that is also <laughs> attributed to a lot of other forms of marginalization in the world and society-wise, yeah. like, history-wise, too.
0: And it's, it's expressed, yeah. it's always... It's the dominant expression in media as well. And I, I mean, like, entertainment industry because whenever you see sex scenes it's always first of all i don't I, know if you saw I, game of thrones
1: i i do not i, okay. I haven't i haven't watched any of it um. okay
0: but Jon Snow, who's basically the protagonist, became a hero even though he was a bumbling idiot in many aspects. Oh, um, okay. I, I didn't know that level of <laughs> Yeah, no, he he got like thousands of people killed in his because he led an army but he didn't what but, but that's Every time not the you point. Lead an
1: army you're killing too many people. <laughs> yeah.
0: There's that. But then he also anyway, don't go see it because it's traumatizing. Oh. Especially if you binge watch it, it's really just traumatizing unless you have a goodness. Therapist on hand, I wouldn't recommend binging mm-hmm. it. But my my original point being that one of the reasons why people love the Jon Snow character is because with both his lovers, he's always like going down on the women. And that is something Isn't, that you don't see. You do not see oh. in media, in like the entertainment industry. Predominant representations of sex is very mutuality. There's no mutuality. That's the <laughs> that's the thing. Is that there is no mutuality. Oh, it's usually no. it's a girl going down, or or it's basically just uh, penetration. There's no other form of yeah whatever like oh. four plays is like a kink in the entertainment industry. That's why oh gosh, I'm like, how can he be? A, how can people love him so much? And it's like, oh, because he went down. And I'm like, this cannot be the bar. This cannot be <laughs> the, the standard bar. Standards
1: for white cis men is so low, <laughs> and guess. I'm always yeah, um, jeez, <laughs> oh no, <laughs> yeah, no, that is like, what the heck? I'm. Like, my mouth, my jaw on the floor, I'm just like, is this for real? So there have been small strides in making some forms of media more mutual and explorative for, both, like, every partner involved, especially breaking away from that male gaze. Uh, there's Which even, it
0: should be. Which it should be.
1: Like, the world has a lot of work to do.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and it's expressed in everyday life as well. It trans- It goes back into everyday life. I mean, I can tell you from my personal experience, it's so, and from some of the poems I've read, it's just so difficult to find a decent lover because the person is so much into what they want rather than, like, even inquisitive as to what you want. It's more like, can I get ABC
1: out of you? No, okay, goodbye. I've heard that a lot. I have not used, like, dating apps Um, But all of my friends do. And so I learned how to use them while, like, working through their profiles and stuff like that. And just some of their experiences. And I'm like, oh, gosh. So I am regularly having experiences with people who are like you and have had these really crappy experiences with people. And I'm like, the bar is so low for me to be successful that it's just.
0: Yeah, it's so sad.
1: It make,
0: I'm like this is tragic it really is tragic because I'm like come on how me, I mean again going back to the Kobe thing because obviously I'm like having a moment with this right now this it is fine we can... I, I, I feel like it's the same thing in, in expressed in a non-sexual way because a lot of the men especially sports fans that are male but female as well but they're saying, because we are fans in our entertainment world, we are enjoying this person, therefore you can't say anything negative about them. And I'm just like, look at the scale. You're comparing your like leisure activity, the pleasure you get out of a leisure activity, to women suffering, suffering for the rest of their lives through trauma. And 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 yet you are refusing to acknowledge it. You're saying what's more important to you is your pleasure in this leisure activity.
1: Yeah, um, and that's similar in sex. I yeah I think the devaluing of survivor stories and survivor experiences is definitely a very much a response to that system of oppression and hierarchy and structuring of not only what the female experience is like, what female sexuality as it's valued in society, but also. This continue like, it's a historic weaponization of sexuality and how that can be a tool to further marginalize those who identify as female. Yeah. Like, and that, yeah. And at any point, if you are not acknowledging, you have to acknowledge those things when you talk about survivor stories.
0: Yes, yes. And it's, it's not. It's still, is something that throughout this Me Too experience that has not been clearly addressed, has not been, like tease out in the way that it needs to be teased mm-hmm. out as with this Kobe experience now just brings to the floor. I always
1: find it weird that members of the community or the general public say because it is not palatable, I don't want to like focus on it. And I'm like, nope, sorry, people have to be uncomfortable because there are so many people experiencing this. And now yeah. it is like, yeah, survivors should be believed, should be listened to, um, mm-hmm. yeah, heard.
0: Yeah. One of the problems with the way that we look at innocent until proven guilty is that we look at it in a very binary way, whereas it's not. Because innocent until proven guilty is not factual, but rather conceptual. Mm-hmm. So in that concept, people should... should remember to say just because you're saying he or whoever the being accused is innocent until guilty doesn't mean you're saying the accused is guilty until innocent because there's this binary where we're saying we're assuming he's innocent until proven guilty mm-hmm. but because we're saying he's innocent she has to be the one lying it's this binary yeah like but yeah. that's not true because again innocent until proven guilty is a concept. So, in that concept, you have to allow the fact that both of them are innocent of something that you're trying to make them guilty of.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh, the justice system in itself is has so many like systemic and structural issues for me that I'm like, I'm not surprised. But yes, there needs to be a reformation uh-huh. of understanding and how that works because I'm like dismantle it all <laughs> dismantle it all
0: we need to have common halls about these things we need oh. to have these conversations in concentric circles yeah conversations. yeah
1: no and i i think there has been a, also a devaluing of like grassroots movements and grassroots techniques mm-hmm. because every real change has happened on every level and of course like community level, and like neighborly level, those are always a huge part of how we make sure that continual progress is being made.
0: Yeah, absolutely. In closing, I always ask, where do you read? Where can people go see you?
1: Where do I read? Any open mic night in Phoenix or other ones within like the state of Arizona, it's mostly been at like Palabras. I've gone to a couple of queer poetry salons. <laughs> Any place that is open to hearing it, I will try. If not, if you see me in the street, I always have different color hair and a mohawk um, (laughs) and tons of piercings. So if you find me, I will give you a poem or something.
0: Awesome. Awesome. So just to clarify, Palabras is every third Saturday of the month. And that's called Pocket to Me. And the Queer Poetry Salon is the last Wednesday of each month. month. Yeah. Yeah. uh, Unless it's a holiday. But you can go to uh, Equality Arizona and sign up for that newsletter. Mm-hmm. And then the second question I always ask is, how can people follow you on social media?
1: So I have an Instagram. It's at Novena Vida. I don't have any other like tools right now because it's grassroots. I'm going to stick with that. It's Man, very grassroots.
0: That's a lot of work. Yeah, you have <laughs> to keep all those accounts. It's like a job in itself. Yeah. yeah. Well, I really appreciate this. Thank stress. you. Yeah. It's no, great. thank
1: you for having me. I was like, cool. I wasn't expecting this. Awesome of a conversation. I like I, like I was like I don't know which way it's gonna go, so I'll take
0: it. <laughs> you never know. Yeah, it's that's that's the great thing about it. It's always a random one. <laughs> but thank you very much.
1: No, I'm excited.
0: As always, be sure to check out our episode notes for links on topics that we cover during the conversation. You can follow us at poetsandmuses.com and on social media on Instagram Twitter, as well as SoundCloud under Poets and Muses. You can also subscribe to our weekly newsletter, either at poetsandmuses.com or at the upper right-hand side of the Poets and Muses SoundCloud page. I'm your host, Imogen A-Rate. Thank you very much for listening. I hope you have a safe and healthy week, and I look forward to bringing you another episode next Sunday.